Hello. Hello. My name is Alex. I'm Val. And we're here to talk about season five, episode two of The Sopranos. Yes. Matthew Weiner's debut. Matthew Weiner. So, if you like Mad Men, obviously he's a creator of that show. Now he's he's on Team Sopranos, and. Well, he was on Team Sopranos before he was on Mad Men. <laughs> this is him. This is his writing debut, though. On the show. Yes. Yeah. There's a there's a distinct feel to it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this episode. You want to talk about Wieners? No, I want to talk about Rat Pack. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Wieners. Cool. It's not that kind of podcast. Um. Okay. What do you want to talk about? Well... I think, I mean, I think the title, this is a classic example of the title really playing into one of the main themes within the episode. So, Rat Pack, we see this portrait, as Tony calls it, modern art, given by Mm. by Jack Mazarone Mm -hmm. to Tony. And we see Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and there's this focus on the Rat Pack. Right. Interestingly, I think that if I had to come up with kind of a theme... Who's who in the Rat Pack? (laughs) I wasn't thinking about that. Um, But if I have to think about... (laughs) I did think about that for a little bit, actually. Mm. But I abandoned it. Mm. As he gave it to him, I was like, okay, well, Sammy Davis Jr. is on Jack Mazarone's side, but... Adriana's a woman. (laughs) I dropped it. I dropped the whole line of reasoning. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I was thinking about is how there are multiple rats... And there are multiple informants, and there's quite a bit of focus on all of them in this episode. So we have kind of a rat pack around the Sopranos family of Ray Curto, Jack Mazarone, and Adriana. So for me, in some ways, that kind of does reflect the image that we have of the three members of the actual rat pack. Because we haven't seen, to this extent, the FBI as an institution like we do even in the beginning of this episode of them kind of like in their workplace environment, new agents kind of coming in, the way that it's working, Ray Curto's relationship with his FBI handlers, and the fact that we're seeing now Jack Mazarone as an informant, Adriana obviously as an informant. There's a lot of threats to the family coming from these rats. Yeah. And it's interesting how people interact with the concept of the rat pack with Dean Martin throughout the course of the show. Um, And... And also with the the idea of an informant or a Judas, as Rosalia Priel mm-hmm. calls, calls, calls them. So it's interesting to see Adriana and how she's dealing with these issues that she's going through and turning on the family. Yeah. So, I mean, they all kind of are like all three of the rats, right? I, I am still kind of caught up on who's who in the rat pack, <laughs> but I haven't come out of it yet um but they certainly kind of all have different stories at least and we don't know them but we can imagine that they've all kind of come to this for different reasons and in different ways right yeah. we know the most about aid because we've seen we've seen that story we don't know when jack Mazarone right started working with the fbi um we don't really even get Ray Curto's, right? This is kind of the first insight we're seeing into like him actually interacting with his Yeah. Um his guys. Um so yeah, so it's 
it's pretty interesting. Adriana's having a really hard time. Yeah, we see her kind of coming a little bit undone right now. Yeah, like I think like the thing with the FBI warning on Citizen Kane is really mm-hmm. good. Um, they linger on it just long enough. It's interesting how they linger on the things that are obviously unspoken parts of their life. The FBI warning, the concept of the Godfather, and none of them really wanting to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And the fact even the way that they analyze Citizen Kane, they read this kind of incredibly simplistic review and they say, oh, the cinematography was great. And, oh, it was Rosebud all along. But there's no analysis underneath the surface. It's just like a viewing. They seem bored. They're basically falling asleep. Yeah. And well, my favorite line for someone who likes colors is when that one woman who we don't know who's there <laughs> says, oh, is it in black and white? <laughs> and we have black and white so much in this mm-hmm. TV show. And, you know, and, and we get a lot of conversation about kind of like good and evil in this, epi- in this mm-hmm. episode as well, right? Right. Like, we have the conversation between Adriana and San Severino. And San Severino. I mean, the F- actually, like the FBI warning is in black and white, also, right? Like it's sh- it's this like clear defining like this is a crime and this yeah. is not. Um, this even on the the jury tampering, saying, "Well, now he's a felon." There's yeah. a lot of yeah. Yeah, we have um, we have Jack Masteron talking about how he thinks his mother's in hell. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the episode, we have Tony to Tony Blundetto, who are basically supposed to be best friends and brothers, and yet at one point in the episode, he's saying, "Fuck him, the guy is fucking useless to me." Yeah, you know, there's a lot of like immediate turning and yeah. people needing things to happen for them. Yeah, I, I was more referring to the black and white part too. Right, but there's just there's kind of like a simplicity. Or, yeah, yeah, or kind of like an on again, off again, on on again, off again relationship with yeah. a lot of topics. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so I just thought that was really interesting and, and like the, like you said, like the really amazing, um, write up that they read on Mm -hmm. Citizen Kane. It was like, I forget exactly what it said. (laughs) It's a masterful movie with masterful music and cinematography. Yeah. And I like when afterwards Carmela's like, well, there was the cinematography. Ah, yes. The cinematography. And they were like, that was very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, so I think we, we do, like, we have, like, we grapple as um, as viewers with the good guy, bad guy thing, right? Like, it's actually pretty hard to be on the side of these FBI agents because they're kind of dicks. Right. You know, um, the ones who, I guess, were Jack Masseron's handlers, right? Like, we don't know who they are when we see them get stopped in the car, but they're kind of, like... It's nefarious. It's, I yeah. love that first scene. So it com- we... They, they introduce the episode. We have a first scene in the rain. There's this, like, intimidating car that just kind of pulls up in a yeah. way that, for me, makes it almost be associated to a criminal. Totally. And yet, it's actually the FBI. Totally. And yet, it's also a little bit confusing because we don't know these characters. I actually kind of was like, oh, is that Agent Harris? It kind of looks like Agent Harris. But then I was like, oh, maybe it's not the feds. Like, you don't really know who they are. Yeah. Um. But it's interesting, and, and then it's connected to Adriana shortly after that well, in the next scene. Well, then we see her in the rain, also in, in the rain, car. in a car. And you know, and we know her scenario, but that is how we're kind of connected. And then only do we really get the full picture when we see that mail cart, you know, rolling down the hall of the FBI right. headquarters. Yeah, where we see the connections between all of these mm-hmm. these things, and we see like the hat that Master Rome was wearing on the table and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it is, um, it's a lot, I mean, Adriana 
is really grappling with that, right? Like she does want to feel like she's doing good. But I think it's funny, like even like in her work with the FBI, like she's kind of using it for her own personal gain, right? By like telling information about Tina, Mm -hmm. right? So she's like, she's not on the side of the good guys. Well, I don't, who is? Well, I know, like that's the thing, right? Like, sure, like, is that a crime what Tina's doing? Probably, Mm -hmm. right? But like Adriana's not doing it so that she's like improving the world around her or anything like that, right? Like she's doing it for her own personal I think there's reasons. a secondary theme in this episode and that's people doing things in ways that just benefit themselves. People being yeah. oblivious in to the concerns of others and only really caring about themselves. There's a line of Tony while he's on the phone with Tony Blundetto saying, it doesn't affect you, but it affects me. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a theme of this episode. We see Adriana doing it. We see Tony doing mm-hmm. it. We see lots of people doing it and we actually see See Tony Blundetto getting out of prison, wanting to go straight, having ideas of how he can change his life, and nobody cares, nobody wants to support it. Tony continually brings up the airbags, you know? Yeah. Which is fascinating, actually, because in that last scene with Adriana, as she's talking and bringing this up, we see airbags very clearly in focus on the window outside. They actually like you make sure that we can see the word airbags, which yeah. comes into this scheme that's brought up many times in the episode, this airbag scheme yeah. that Tony wants to get Tony Blundetto into, which is, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Tony, our Tony's face when Tony B says that he wants to be a massage therapist is really <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's good. Well, I also like Tony saying, you know, I leave for fucking one hour and it's a goddamn slumber party. Yeah. (laughs) And yet also there's maybe a tertiary theme in this is like Tony, we see him sometimes reflecting on the past uh, in an idealistic way in terms of his relationship with Tony, his dad being able to vet people on the spot. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet there's this. Now he's an adult, and yet there's this very childish dimension mm-hmm. to him. So him talking about, oh, it's a fucking slumber party. And yet right after that, he goes outside, takes Tony Blundetto, and berates him for saying, you don't make fun of me. Yeah, it's very childish. And there's also between him and Carmelo, we should be able to settle this like adults. That's from Tony. Yeah. And Carmelo says, stop taking my shit out of the house. Yeah. So there's Tony trying to be an adult, and yet not, acting extremely childish. Childish. Yeah. But that, I can't make words but that kind of goes like that kind of goes to the black and white too, right? Like mm-hmm. it's like it's these like polarities. It's like you're either an adult or you're a child. You're either um, a good guy or you're a bad guy. Right. Um, you're either in or you're out, right? Yeah. Like and Tony B, like, he's kinda like hanging around Satrials and stuff like that, right? Like these are the people he knows. Yeah. But he doesn't want to be in. Right? right. We don't see characters like that in this yeah. show. Right? Right. Like, you kind of can't have it both ways Mm -hmm. in this world. Right. Um, Although we have these characters in this this episode, all these rats, who are in and out at the same time, too. Right? So these polarities aren't really that useful because they... They they don't describe anybody or anything, right? Like you never have someone who's totally in or totally out. You never have someone who's totally good or totally bad. Yeah. You never have someone who's an adult all the time um, yeah. who never acts childish. I think that's very astute. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I think Tony wants to break it down into a simple dichotomy of good guy, bad guy, be able to tell, is Brian a Judas? And he says, he comes back after discussing how his dad could read these things. He says, what the fuck am I, a mind reader? Is Brian a Judas? Did I say Brian? Yeah. I meant 
Brian, Brian Mazarone. <laughs> Jeez, I'm glad that I'm glad this is a two-person podcast. This was just me. Brian. I'd say the craziest shit. Yeah, Brian, <laughs> Brian Mazarone. I, I'm sorry. I probably do this all the time with Jack Mazarone. Yeah. But you know, like there's an inability to be able to be clear-cut. Even yeah. though I guess right after that they kind of they come on. They're like, oh, he said I'm I'm because I lost some weight because I've yeah. lost some weight, and I guess they do correctly figure out what's going on. But it's um. It's very difficult to kind of break things down into these categories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about one of the last scenes, Tony with the Rat Pack modern art piece, putting it up uh, at Livia's house, but then turning over the religious symbols? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I've been trying to make sense of it a little bit. I don't know why. In the last five minutes. <laughs> in the last five minutes since the episode ended. We actually came in here pretty quickly today, too. Yeah, I got to go after. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know about the turning down of those religious symbols and what that could possibly indicate. Like, it couldn't, like, Tony couldn't have it. It's And there's stuff about being at your mom's house in this episode and mom's in this episode, mm. too, that I kind of want to go into. But, um there's something about those things that don't quite fit together for Tony. Mm. And he tries out this Rat Pack modern art, quote unquote modern art, um, on one wall, and that doesn't really work for him. And then he tries it on yeah. the the mantle, and it doesn't see, you know, he has to turn down these like pictures of the Virgin Mary yeah. in order for it to be there. So I don't know, like, you know, something something to do with, you know, Tony, like, I feel like it's more like Tony's um, solidifying where he stands, right? Like that he's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think that there's kind of a imaginary idealization of what the Rack Pack stands for that's mm-hmm. associated to the mob, that's associated mm-hmm. to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and that's associated to a concept of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a do whatever you want, get whatever you mm-hmm. want, be respected, be one of the boys, be part of this club. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, I think there's something that is doesn't seem to be at place with that, to have these mm-hmm. religious images, especially religious images coming I, from what I think were coming kind of from like a female domain. They were of the Virgin Mary, right? right. So to not see that and to be just engaging with a kind of simplistic read on what he wants, this imaginary kind of realm of masculinity and fun and just kind of getting what you want sort of thing. Yeah, or seeing seeing men a certain way or like a group of people a certain way. Now, the irony is that he's seeing the Rat Pack this way and yet this show is making a connection to the people that are being Judases. I know. And that's why I I was actually going to ask you, like, were any of those guys connected to like law enforcement you know what i mean like well i mean frank sinatra and the mafia there was no no i know i'm just i'm asking were any of them connected to like the like fbi or law enforcement not that i know of yeah yeah if if there's any experts out there on the rat (laughs) pack and the fbi send us your findings we're interested yeah no, there's, yeah, there's something about, like I said, there's something about them being at their mom's. So, like, both Tonys are actually living at their mom's right mm. now, right? Mm. And, again, going back to that kind of, like, child and adult thing, like, 
They're yeah. both like Tony B's living in his basement, uh, his mom's basement. Tony's living in his dead mom's house, which yeah. I, I figure they would have sold it by now, but right. I guess it's still there. Um, there's something about kind of this, you know, and, and the talk, like, and the talk that the women are having about the divorce when they're watching the movies, like, there's, there's something being said here, I think, about, like, the capacity, um, the capacity to kind of be an adult when you're mm. engaging with this group of people who don't know how to behave right. like adults, right? right. Like it kind of brings you down into this, um, I don't know, like, more mm. childish Right. Um, level, right? Like you're getting so upset that someone's teasing you. I don't know. There's something yeah. there's something to that for me. There's also glimpses into examining the relationship between that generation and the generation beneath them. So the like their kids. Mm -hmm. So there's the scene at Artie's, the Tony Blundetto, where he comes back, um, where they're saying about Bobby Jr., they they let that kid say anything. And then yeah. it's interesting because that's right after Janice and Bobby leave and they have this commentary on those kids and the way they behave. And then immediately after that segues into Meadow and AJ walking up. And then there's irregularities there. There's kind of examples of ways that Tony and Meadow are having some kind of like some problems amongst themselves that haven't really been resolved and some issues there in yeah. terms of an appointment to see each other, these kinds of things. Yeah. Then there's also Kelly, Tony right. Blundetto's daughter. Yeah. So this concept of being a parent, being a child, rearing children to do the right thing yeah. is very complicated. Yeah. And it seems to be that in this world, most people have major issues in it. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. There's, some, there's definitely a lot in there. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how we had How's Kelly being asked twice, mm -hmm. right? Like, right. Uh, Tony Soprano first asks Tony B's mom that. How is um, Kelly? How's Kelly? She's not good. They're getting Do you think a private investigation. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's with Harpo. Um, we see the Kelly tattoo on right. on Tony B's arm, yeah. right? Um, so we just like I don't know. We're already kind of like getting insight into how Tony B is different from. Tony S. Yeah. I also feel like I'm like a kindergarten teacher when I call kid like you know when you call kids like by their Tony first S. initial like I like know, Tony like, Uncle Al. Tony. Well, that was interesting too, right? And like how that connects like, you know, all these children and how yeah. they are connected to their past generation, mm -hmm. right? And then he goes into that weird story about, you know, Tony Uncle Al or no, which, whichever Tony who Tony. died. Yeah. Tony. Oh, right. That's right. right. Yeah. And the then, third Tony mm -hmm. that he mentioned. The dead uncle. Right. Yeah. But it's funny because then after that, he starts talking about how everybody's died and is dead. Yeah. Then he says, you're back for good, which is like this desire for something. This yeah. desire for Tony Blundetto to be around and to negate the death of these past generations mm -hmm. and this past family connection. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, there seems to be kind of like a foreboding aspect to that statement yeah. of him kind of following this speech into Never Never Land, talking about dead family members and then saying, you're back for good. Yeah. There seems to be some kind of something like off-putting about it. Well, we do have a lot of death in this, ep or like talk of death in this episode too, right? Because we have Carmine who dies. Mm -hmm. And well, I guess like death and blood, I guess, you know, and like, like, like family kind mm -hmm. of blood, right? So right. like... Um, because, you know, the thing about 
Tony and Tony is that they are blood cousins, right? Yeah. And they and you hear him talk about like you know say like this is your uncle, right? This is your uncle. Yeah. Um, and they're like we've never met him before, but it doesn't matter, right? Like right. that's that's your uncle. Um, but when Carmine dies, we see Carmine, little Carmine getting upset with people focusing on Johnny Sack, right? And there's a comment like, you know, he thought of you like a son. Right. He's like, well, I didn't really mean it that. Like, he right. didn't like, you know, kind of takes saying it, back. it. He, he was on his, death, on his deathbed. But you see the difference then between, like, how Lil Carmine is being treated versus how Tony's talking about Christopher. He's like, this is my nephew, Christopher, yeah. right? Um, to that woman, woman Shylock. What's yeah. What's her name? Oh, uh, Lorraine. Lorraine, that's yeah. right. Lady Shylock. <laughs> um, you know, so we just, we see these differences here in like, you know, what it means to be family and what that kind of like passing things down means. Yeah. Um, I don't like, I don't know how, like, who was related? Was it Johnny Soprano and tony blundetto's dad who were related like how are they actually right. cousins i don't Good know question i mean because that seems to be so loose sometimes too yeah i, I mean guess they, so. they had a picture of of livia up on their wall of their house right right so yeah. anyways i i don't i don't really know but there is this like again you know tony soprano's desire for tony blundetto to be back in things yeah does also tie back into that blood mm -hmm. relationship there's all, and there's also something like Tony's really feeling sensitive about, right? Like when he's watching that World War II documentary mm -hmm. and he's feeling really emotional hearing about this guy whose yeah. friend went over the bunker or whatever yeah. and like and died kind of protecting him kind of thing. And we know that there is like a history behind why Tony Blundetta went to jail and, yes. why, and why Tony Soprano didn't, right? Yeah. Um, and interestingly, actually, he starts watching that History Channel immediately after the spat between Johnny Sack and Carmine Jr. Mm -hmm. And there's a cut to, like, an explosion. Like, they're yes. fighting, and it's like, boom. And then yes. we watch Tony wat watching the History Television yeah. Network or whatever. So there is this relationship to relationships yeah. and to family relationships. Yeah. Although, like, Tony doesn't really react when he hears that Carmine dies, right? They get that call at, at Junior's house right and tony doesn't really react. everybody seems pretty yeah. loose about it they say um, he was a genius i guess i guess so. he invented point shaving yeah one thing that's interesting and we were talking about phones a lot in the past couple episodes it it's really important to tony our tony that he gets tony blendetto this phone mm -hmm. and the phone has a we are the champions ringtone mm -hmm. but like and he calls them whenever he wants, like right. at three in the morning. Even or though he says that it's so that he can call him whenever he wants. Yeah. So and we've talked a lot about phones on the show yeah. and connectivity. So it's an interesting thing that he wants to be that connected to Tony Blundetta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like there is this like you know technically open line of communication, although they can't say certain things because it would impact Tony. Right? He couldn't say like you're the boss over the phone. Right. Even right? though he does. Well, he does. <laughs> Um, so I thought that was interesting. The other thing about death that I thought was, you know, it was right. It was during that scene where they get the phone call about Carmine dying is that we have Junior talking about this game, Crack the Whip. Mm. Right. And it's a like, I imagine it to be kind of like a childhood game. Mm -hmm. Right. And he describes it like you're all holding hands, like you're all linking arms with someone and like moving fast. And then suddenly there's a break 
in the chain and you go flying off hmm. kind of thing. And I right. thought that was like an interesting, interesting analogy for that, like um, that you kind of don't know where these breaks in the chain are going to happen right? Um, or when they're going to happen. But like suddenly you're flying off into this space. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it's like a, chi- a child game, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Junior's There's thinking a lot about there. death. I thought it was, it's, it was, it's it was very, like, it was like a very, um, how do I say it? Like, this is not a criticism, but it's like one of those moments in Sopranos where you're like, okay, they're, they're sending a message here. Yeah. Like, it's not like a typical way that people talk with each right. other to kind of do these kind of metaphorical yeah. spiels. It's an interesting episode because I feel like there are like multiple domains that they're examining mm-hmm. there's like these like multiple thematic areas mm-hmm. that are all happening kind of at once but they're all kind of related and they're all connected it's it's interesting mm-hmm. um and maybe that's like we're seeing a new writer too like there's a slightly different style yeah. it comes across a different way yeah um the there, other thing yeah. just to tie you know into some of the things we've talked about in terms of death stuff um, we have Tony driving over a bridge to throw that Rat Pack poster mm-hmm. into the water. It so looks, he ultimately decides that he doesn't want it. He doesn't want those rats. Yeah, right. Um, or he sees it as something that was like a tool to get something else, right? Like he kind of like, mm. it's not a real gift, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, but I, you know, bridges we have associated with, with death. Death, yeah. Um, and he throws it into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a very rainy episode. Mm-hmm. So that now makes me also think about like wateriness, right? And what kind right. of the rain indicates. Um, it's almost just... like the opposite. Like, but then we have this talk of hell, right? We have, so we have this rain, but we have talk of like moms like being in hell. We have yeah. Tony wearing that Tabasco shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are. As one does. As, <laughs> as one does. And we do have episodes where you know we've had kind of references to the devil and hell and stuff like that before too and like we have this kind of like fire and water counterpart going on here um and then i'm just thinking about like turning down the religious posters i don't know so we're building up we're building up a collection of symbols yeah that i think are bringing us somewhere this season and next season yeah yeah absolutely that's really interesting. We have a bunch of new characters. I mean, we saw Lorraine that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Garepe, we see. Tony Blundetto is a new character, which yeah. for me is so fascinating because, and we talked about this in the season opener, but we're in episode two, and yet this is Tony Blundetto's introduction. Yeah. So already Feech Lamana has been kind of established as a character, and that's even referenced. He's like, already features. making money. He's, He's already, already on back his on his feet. feet. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's... That's some pretty incredibly efficient writing that he's already been established as a character. We know who he is. We know who these people are. Tony Blundetto comes in and two. It's really interesting. It's just, it's not what I would have expected. It's probably not the predictable way to write in a new character to bring them in in the second episode. But they use that form very well. And they, because of that, can have other characters who now have some recognition with us that they can relate to in, in yeah. interesting ways. I think it's just very, very well done yeah. and not normal. I think it's done on their in their own way. And we I think see it's really Phil cool. Leotardo. That's right. We just see him. Yeah. That's He's great. He's at the funeral. Yeah. 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 Making an appearance since uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
I had some interesting lines and stuff okay. and some some thoughts. Um, yeah. One is just Adriana kind of falling apart. So yeah. and her use of alcohol. So and, and her friends letting her drive her car. Well, that's that's one of them for me. Yeah, the fact that she's feeling uncomfortable because she feels comfortable in this space. Rosalie talks about a Judas going to the Last Supper and doing this to his fr- to his friends, yeah. knowing what he did. There's an aspect of Adriana stumbling away, getting in her car, wasted. That who are these friends? The fact that they let her get in the car and drive goes to show me that they actually aren't great friends well, or great people. And they people. reference Angie Bonfantiero, right? Like right. I think it's Aid who's like, "Why isn't Angie here?" Yeah. Right? And they're like, "Oh no, like you know what Pussy did." Yeah. So they like drop her, which isn't even accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Adriana, we hear a conversation between her and Chris. Chris saying it would be nice to get some support at the house without you drinking, which you would hope that Adriana would be able to, you know, I guess in her own way, be able to drink or something. I don't know, whatever. But maybe that is she that is that is the, that is the right thing to do, I guess, to give some space to somebody in recovery. But even outside of that question, there is an aspect of Adriana is actually abusing alcohol yeah. in this episode. Like yeah. there's that scene where she's getting hammered yeah. with her friends. But even in that moment, she's bringing wine to bed. It's That's a pretty strong move to, to be bringing it's a nice. full glass of <laughs> It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You just, okay. She was wearing also cut off shorts to go to bed. So yeah. it didn't seem like she was like going to sleep. <laughs> I guess like so. She was like, I guess so. You're right. Yeah. There's another scene though, you know, later on while they're watching yeah. the movies where she's you like see Carmela talking more. and you yeah. can see the way that she's pouring. Yeah. Rosalie references it. So we can see her having her own vice, which is something that could be a problem as she spirals out of control, much that like Christopher had a vice in, right. in drugs and that right. was kind of his own undoing. Why does she have this shitty friend who's, I guess, dating Will Polly, Tina? She's weird, that girl. Who talk? Why would she talk like that in front of Adriana? I don't know, but <laughs> well, she's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was an interesting scene too amongst Adriana and her friends while they're talking about Citizen Kane. Um, I think it's Rosalie says that guy had all that stuff and still died alone. And then the focus, the camera actually changes to a focus on Carm, which is clearly a major point of concern for her. She is always kind of acquiring things, made this pact with the devil to get stuff in return for moral Mm -hmm. kind of ambiguity in terms of how you live your life. So it's interesting how they, they will all die alone in that way and the stuff will not protect them no and yet they're kind of protecting themselves from these concerns through stuff so it's just kind of making them confront that which is interesting how they're all watching movies they're having film club and yet some of these great movies david chase can recognize that it confronts you with these larger questions and that's the art of them and yet that's the last thing that that they want they just want to watch something because it's supposed to be good and there's an interesting relationship with art which also kind of comes back to tony too yeah totally characters relationship to art how they engage with it how they want to see it how they want it in their homes yeah yeah it's it's interesting well i like how they so they watch citizen kane and have nothing to say about it then they skip what is there to say they skip casablanca (laughs) because i guess the the equipment was missing right right and the next one is the godfather and we get the sense that they're not going to watch the godfather (laughs) together so I don't know what's four. number four. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have Junior. 
there's a couple just small things in the writing that are interesting that kind of imply that he is repeating himself and kind of mm. actually maybe does have some aspects of the dementia that are referenced in his right. court date. Repeating about eggs. Um, Tony says, you've told me about the cremation four times. There's mm. a lot of like little things like mm. that that he's letting slip. Yeah. Um, that are definitely not dwelt on, but yeah. also imply certain things about his mental condition. Dwelt. Dwelt. Uh, That's not a word, is it? Yeah, I don't dwelled. know. Dwelled. Yeah. Dwelt. Think, or dwelled upon. Dwelled upon. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. I just, I just fuck, fuck up words. It's a, word. it's a good word, though. Dwelt. D-W-E-L-T. I like it. <laughs> I learned a new word today. <laughs> good. Um, the other really interesting one I had was very close to the end. Tony washing his face, looking in the mirror. And after he washes his face, there's a great shot where it really looks like a tear is going down mm. his face. And he's looking at himself in the mirror and dealing with who he is. Yeah. And then we see him. The camera actually goes from another vantage point where we see him in the restroom, much larger than he was when the show started, yeah. in his boxers, pretty overweight at this yeah. point. Which has been referenced in the show, Jack Mazarone saying, have you lost weight? Everybody knowing that's not true. Yeah. Talking well, about... We've seen, but we've also yeah. seen Tony through it. Like, whenever we see Tony at a doctor's office, he mm -hmm. always weighs himself. Yeah. Every time. That's, like, where we always see him. Mm. So there is, like, I think there's something, like, bigger about Tony and his weight. Mm. Too. But anyway, yeah. sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. No, no, yeah. Well, I mean, he's just... I mean, he's growing, obviously, in stature yeah. and in size. But... There's something about Tony having to deal with who he is and who he's becoming right now. He's on that path to dying alone. Yeah. He has no wife. Well, we and we don't see him with any of his gumars or anything like that. He's very episode. isolated. Yeah. Even his greatest, oldest Just friend his dead mom's is home. almost immediately been pushed aside by his behavior and his well, actions. And we get a like a very short scene with Artie, right? His other oldest friend. Yeah. Who and they're not they friends don't even anymore. Talk. They don't even. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, and so we see. As he washes his face, this kind of sadness represented yeah. in the in the shot that they construct. Yeah. I love this season. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I subscribe to the odd-numbered seasons of you Sopranos like being number? really, really something, and this one is uh, no exception. S season five is really no exception. It's a good one. And it's crazy, if you've watched it before, thinking about where we start and where we end up. Yep. But we're only on season or episode two. It's so. just crazy. Like it starts right here, and you have these existential crises. You have these dwelling questions of nihilism, and then at the end, they just all figure it out. Yeah, and it's just they're all just friends again. Yeah, and uh, the FBI Every, is gone. Everyone's alive. Like the FBI and the mafia, they're all friends. And yeah, nothing's yeah, yeah. illegal. They've all they've all gone straight. They all start working at yeah. the carnival. It's so good. It's really nice. It's such a great. Season. And then six and seven. Like our six A and B, yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's six A and six B. I mean, it's just uh, it's just such a different show because they're just all so, you know, happy. And, yeah, it's um, like a sitcom kind of. Yeah, and there's that unicorn character. That's right. nice. Yeah, the talking unicorn. Yeah. So, um, this is yeah, this is kind of the end of the existential examination right. of the show. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're we're done now. But yeah, well, stay tuned, I guess. For yeah. That. Um. <laughs> If you have a moment and you use iTunes yeah. to listen to our podcast, or even if you don't, mm -hmm. um, if you could give us a rating or review or both, 
We but appreciate both it. Both would be great. <laughs> we would appreciate it. And helps people find the show. Yeah, feel free to shoot us an email or mm-hmm. whatever. We love talking about Sopranos. We really do. Anytime, any day. <laughs> um, and we otherwise just talk with each other. So. Yeah. So well, we have some other people that we talk to as well. But yeah, a few. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. See you next episode. See you next episode. Bye. <laughs>